Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I would like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast has been created, the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to elders, past and present. Hi, I'm Ash London, reformed radio host and new mum. I'm knee deep in this whole parenthood thing and every day I find myself with more questions than I had the day before. If you're like me and want to be a parent or are a parent, but also want to keep your own dreams and interests alive, then this podcast is for you. We'll speak to famous parents, experts, mates, and strangers off the internet as we figure out how to keep living our best lives, even when it feels like we have no idea what the hell we're doing. Welcome to New Mum Who Dis. Today's episode is with Megan Donaldson, who uh, wrote a book called Still a Mum, which I read, and as you'll hear in this chat, bawled my face off. Um, During her first pregnancy, uh, Megan was faced with some pretty intense news that something was significantly wrong with her little baby daughter, Um, and after lots and lots of tests... Um, her and her partner made the decision to save baby Violet from uh, pain, um, illness, and ultimately um, what would have definitely been a premature passing by having um, a termination for medical reasons. One thing I did know is that uh, at the stage that this happened in her pregnancy, Megan then had to give birth um, knowing that her, her beautiful baby girl wouldn't survive. This is a, a tough read, but a beautiful read. And one of the things I love about Megan is that she wants to talk about her baby daughter, Violet. This isn't something she believes should carry a trigger warning. It's not something that she wants people to tiptoe around. She wants Violet's life to be celebrated. She wants Violet to be treated like what she is, which is Megan's first daughter. I learned a lot in this chat. Um, it gave me a lot to think about. And I just want to thank Megan before we get into this for um, telling Violet's beautiful story with such love and care and honesty and anger and rage, all valid feelings, all valid thoughts. Um, I'll put all of the details of Megan's book in the episode notes. Um, The audio for this gets a bit funky at times, but you'll get over it. (laughs) Let's get into it. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for making time, my darling. Thank you so much for having me. So I've got uh, Dad looking after Baba and you've got your mum. You're in a yes. cupboard currently and I'm hiding in my bedroom. <laughs> so it's hashtag mum life for both of us this morning. <laughs> Absolutely. So I finished your book last night and my um, husband <laughs> came, knew I was reading a book and then came down after his shower to find me in deep sobs, <laughs> reading this story. I think it's definitely one of those things that 
um, pre-motherhood, I would have thought, oh, that's sad. But once you've actually experienced the, the highs and lows, even of a, of a healthy, safe, standard pregnancy, which is full of so much anxiety and fear, but, you know, when you read any story about someone else's experience, it feels like your own because it's just like, that could have been me. That could have been, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Motherhood opens up your heart in a way that is hi. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's a wild ride. It is. <laughs> well, thank you so much for writing Violet's story. Many people, I think, having been through what you had been through, especially when you wrote this when it was so fresh, a lot of people probably wouldn't have been able to write so succinctly and so beautifully and clearly. What What was the moment that you knew you had to start writing Violet's story and, and sharing it with people? I started writing her story um, with no intention of it being a book. Oh. So when I first started, it was purely because I was terrified I would forget. I was just so scared that I would forget her and what it felt like to give birth to her and what it felt like to have her really in my life. Um, So it was more, I guess, a therapeutic journey for me, trying to make sure that I could remember everything about her and just capture all of my feelings. Um, And then, yeah, a little bit down the track, I was like, oh, maybe I could write this into a book. (laughs) You write beautifully. Is that your job? I had some help. Okay. (laughs) No, (laughs) that is not my job. (laughs) That is not my job um, at all. I... I mean, I wrote and then I had Amy Malloy, who is an amazing author, um, who I admired. I randomly saw her post on Instagram that she was looking for someone to work with and I contacted her. And then I became friends with someone who I've admired for years um, and worked with her for a year on my book. That's so good. I love that. One of the things that struck me when I started reading this book, which I actually, I'd never thought about and it made a lot of sense to me, is that you were saying how... Because for the first, you know, kind of 12 weeks, I mean, early, early on, you weren't super sure that really anything was wrong. At the start, it was kind of a, quite a normal pregnancy. And you were so happy that you'd, you'd told people, some people, because it meant that you got to experience some of that joy of just the unbridled joy without the complication. So talk about that, because I think a lot of people, because when I, early on, I was like, if I tell people and something goes wrong... Nothing is going to change the amount of pain that I will feel. It's not like it's going to be more painful because I've told people. It'll just mean that I'm going to have to tell people I was pregnant and now I'm, you know what I mean? So I thought about that, but I didn't think about the other way, which is that you get to experience that that joy. So so talk to me about that feeling. I think that was the most important part for me because that was the only time we Mm. celebrated with that pregnancy. Um, because I didn't know anything was wrong. So when I told people I was pregnant, it was the same, met with the same level of excitement. Any pregnancy um, that people want is met with. Everyone was so beside themselves Mm. with joy, you know, planning Christmas with a new baby, all of that. So they're my favorite sort of memories. And I think I've stuck with that, you know, with my son. (laughs) People knew I was pregnant when I was like five weeks pregnant Um, (laughs) because I was like, well, I want to celebrate because I don't know how long this will last and I don't know how, you know, it will go. So I want people to know and I want to be happy when I I mean, it's one of the shitty things about pregnancy is that because so many people have had children, everyone feels like they're an expert and they can kind of share their advice. (laughs) When you were able to share that you were pregnant again, were you you met with anyone saying, oh, are you you sure you should be sharing this or 
or were people kind of just straight in on the joy for you? I guess when yeah. I say I shared it again, I chose who I shared with. So I, family, friends, everybody who knew my story with Violet knew. Anyone who was yeah. just a work colleague, I did not want them to know. If I could have turned up with a baby and gone, oh, look what I've had a baby, <laughs> I would have been happy with that. I didn't want to talk to them about my pregnancy because I guess the people who aren't as close would be the ones would offer that unsolicited advice. Um, whereas everyone who was close to me was just overjoyed. And again, I went through IVF with my son. You kind of can't hide that either. People know yeah. the roller coaster. It's not the and same. And you know straight time. away, right? You've got exactly. like the hour it happens. You, yeah. you know, you, <laughs> they tell you if it's been a success or not. So you don't have that initial kind of waiting. Yeah, waiting, well, you waiting. have the two-week wait and then, yeah, and then you kind of know. So talk, tell everyone listening, I don't want to shed too much of the story because I think people need to read this book because it's, sure. I mean, I mean, no, share as much as you want. It's such a, it's, <laughs> it's beautifully told and it's so honest and there are no holds barred and it's, it's beautiful. And I really felt like for most of it, I was kind of there with you in the hospital room. And I learned so much about the process that I didn't know about so I have lots of questions because so many things were like I didn't know you could do that I didn't know you could keep your baby with you I didn't know about the birth certificate thing crazy but let's go back to the scan the first time you knew that something was a little off something wasn't Mm -hmm. as it should be take me Mm -hmm. back to that time so I went for my standard like 12 13 week scan um first pregnancy I'd made it that far so I kind of felt that miscarriage was no longer a concern or totally. risk because that's sort of what people say. The magic number, um, 13, yeah, exactly. I'm safe. Yeah, exactly. So we went there expecting, like I remember, you know, it was before work one day. I was like, cool, as soon as I head back to work, I can finally tell everyone mm-hmm. this is the best. Um, and we were just in there and the sonographer, you know, was taking a long time. But again, I had nothing to compare to, so I had no idea yeah. if that was normal. Um, and then she just sort of said, I just want to pop out and check if there's a doctor available. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, um, and then she's like, oh, there's no doctor, but that's okay. Um, all right, we'll finish here. Someone will call you. No. I like, oh, okay. I would have <laughs> wanted to leap across the table and scream into her face. Tell me what the <laughs> hell is going on, lady. And it's one of those weird situations because you don't, you're not upset yet because you have no reason yet to be upset. Yeah. But you're also not excited because you're like, well, something's not quite right. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of left going, oh, I don't really know. I'm not happy, but I'm not sad. I'm not really sure what mm. I am. Um, and we did get a call that day to come back that day. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe things aren't great. Or maybe it was just an yeah. accident. I don't know. Um, so we went back that day and then the doctor met us. Lovely, but pretty much just said that there's a couple of small concerns, a couple of abnormalities um, with your baby. It could be nothing. It could be something. We just need to wait and see. Um, come back in 16 weeks and we'll do another scan and we'll see what happens. 16 weeks. And so, like, another three weeks. So I was like, oh, all right then. Um, we're not telling mm. anyone we're pregnant. Anyone else that doesn't already know, I don't want to tell them because how do you tell people you're pregnant but you yeah. don't know if things are okay? Yeah. So it, I was just like the queen of waiting pretty much because it was over 10 weeks until we had any definite answers. And, I mean, as you said before, pregnancy goes for ages. Ten weeks of growing a baby, you know, each week you're mm. feeling something's new, something's changing, it's continuing, and you're becoming more and more attached um, constantly. Yeah, so then, yeah, the 16 weeks happened. We did some more tests, same information. Can't quite see enough just yet. Haven't got enough information just yet. Could be okay, but might not be. 
um, come back at 20 weeks. So then it was back at 20 weeks, same. It was never, ever, ever things are okay. It was like, it could be bad. It could be okay. Um, Same at 20 weeks. Things were a little bit more obvious, obviously, because the baby's a bit bigger. Um, And then it was more testing. Like, you know, we'd done the amniocentesis, the NRPT. Now we had to do an MRI, which I didn't even know you could do it on a baby in someone's belly. Um, wow. so we did and, the, that. and the nip test was low risk. Like a lot of the chromosomes were coming low risk. back low risk. Yeah, so that was low risk. The amniocentesis was low risk. Nothing came back high risk, which is why there was always the it could be okay could be. because there was no evidence um, yeah. at that stage saying that it wasn't. It was just from the scans that they could see a couple of abnormalities. Yeah, and the way you explained it was really interesting. It was like on Google Maps. And if you look yes. at the states, all the states are fine. And if you look at the suburbs, yep. all the suburbs are fine. But if we go really macro, the paint on someone's door is off. And it's the kind of thing that we don't generally test for because it's so little. But it's yep. not like, um, you know, just because it's, it's, it's little doesn't mean that the issue is little or that the, the health issue, they're actually quite the opposite. So that would have been such a weird thing to get your head around. Well, that's like when we eventually were told that things were definitely not okay, that our baby was really sick, that um, their chance of survival was next to none, you know, not being able to breathe on their own, not being able to um, eat on their own, not being able to like function at all on their own. Um, When we were told that, my my first questions were, well, why so far was everything okay? Why were all the test results okay? Why was everything okay? And that's what the geneticist said to me using Google Maps. And that was the thing that made the most sense yeah. to me because, you know, I'm not a scientist. No. I'm not a geneticist. Sitting there, I just couldn't understand why everything was okay. Um, but it obviously wasn't. And how you feel so bonded with, I mean, I don't know what your experience was, but even before I felt bud kick, mm. I just felt like we were the same person. Absolutely. And there was so much bonding happening. How did that feel? I mean, before any decisions were made, you still know that there are problems and that this is going to be a tough road ahead and you don't know if your daughter's going to survive. Did part of you, were you scared to bond with her or was it always like, regardless, this is an easy thing, she's my girl, I feel like we're bonding? Or was there ever a fear like, I don't want to admit I'm pregnant, I don't want to commit to this? Where's your head at in that process? All over the shop. Some days I was like... I don't want to become too attached, but then that's ridiculous because how can I not? <laughs> so I would tell myself that yeah. logically, like I don't want to become too attached. And then the next minute I'd be reading a picture storybook to my stomach, you know, rubbing it, <laughs> going <laughs> like um, talking about it. So um, yeah. it depended on the moment. I think we all mm. want to protect ourselves to a certain degree when you get information like that. But the reality is, is you can't help. You can't help it. You're attached. Yeah. You're in love. You are envisioning everything. Um, I didn't know that she was a girl at that stage. Um, I didn't know that she was our daughter, Violet, until we actually knew that she wasn't well. Um, that was important for me mm. to know. Um, but, yeah, I, I wanted to know who she was. And I, I, you just feel connected. It's your baby. They're growing in your tummy. Yeah. And she was moving. You know, yeah. she was moving, kicking, doing that's all what, of those things. That's what really that got me is that you could, you know, she was alive. And you could feel Absolutely. her kicking and... You can't ignore that. You can't. You can't. You know, that, I just can't imagine how you marry those two ideas that right now she, she's moving around in my tummy, but she won't be able to do that forever and she's not going to be able to live. Yeah. 
I mean, that is just that was that's a lot, man. It's a lot. It's all. I mean, it's definitely a lot. It's heavy. It is heavy, and life's heavy, man. And you know Absolutely. what? Absolutely. It's like the one thing I'm learning about motherhood is that there's no escaping the fear and the worry and the feeling like you are split between mm-hmm. however many children you have. You know what I mean? It's just there's no escaping it. Like you just it yeah. forever changes you from Absolutely. the moment you know they're in there. It's amazing blessing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I loved um, how you just, like you weren't Dr. Googling, but you were deep in the forums and you found, <laughs> and that's the cool thing about the internet, right, is that you know, so many of our friends, I don't think any of your friends would be able to understand what you were going through, but you were able yeah. to find parents who had been in your situation. So what was that like, being able to connect with people that no one's really going to understand, but kind of get it? Yeah, well, Instagram was the thing that helped with that and the forums. Like, I'd never heard of anything that we'd been through. I mean you know it's called tfmr when you end a pregnancy for medical reasons i had never heard that term in my entire Mm. life i mean i think all of us know that that happens like in a distant way i knew that that was something that could occur but i had never heard that term before i didn't know anyone who had experienced it and then one day i don't know i googled and i saw hashtag tfmr and i was like oh what's that and then i typed that hashtag into everything and it's like a whole world opened up to me of people who had been through that, that lived in Melbourne, wow. you know, or lived not far away from me. And then I was just reading their stories and reading them. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this happens all the time. But I didn't know. I didn't know anyone who had been through this. And I didn't think it had ever been really spoken about in an open way um, in mainstream media or anywhere where I could access it or yeah. learn about it. And it was interesting to me that, many women's experiences with their health providers were very different. For some people, yes. their um, their OBs or whoever was, you know, in, in charge of their care straight away was kind of recommending, like, um, you have the option mm-hmm. of termination. Like, this is the news we're giving you and this is what you should do or this is what most people would do. Your experience was mm-hmm. quite different and it was very much kind of ball in your court, which I know you said you know, part yeah. of you wished someone could take decision away so absolutely so how long what was the for for people that don't know the story what was that time frame like between knowing the extent of the problems and having to kind of make Mm. that that decision I mean no amount of time is enough to make that decision but you were kind of in essence racing the clock absolutely and I think that's something I again didn't know that we've got different laws in Australia. I didn't know any of these sorts of things. Um, So in Victoria, where I am, the 24 weeks is when you have until to make the decision to no longer continue with a pregnancy for health reasons. 
um, but that's the longest. I can't remember off the top of my head all yeah. of the states, but like some of the other states are 16 weeks, 18, 20. Um, and what it means, it doesn't mean you can't continue, you know, mm. we're not in America. It, it's just that you might need to get a panel of doctors to sign off on it or something like that. Or the decision might be taken away from you and they'll decide based on the medical information. Um, for us, so we got the phone call at 22 weeks after I had done the scan and the um, MRI that our baby's you know, brain was completely malformed. They explained that we had to see a geneticist, not a, we were going to see a um, child neurologist to start with because they were going to tell us what life would be like. But the doctors quickly said that there was no point in meeting with the neurologist because quality of life was that poor. It was actually time to talk wow. to a geneticist. Um, to work out why it had happened and what was going on. So we spoke to, like, I spent days going to so many different appointments, talking to everyone. But the biggest thing was because we knew we only had until 24 weeks and I was about 22 weeks then. Um, So we had to make the decision pretty much within a day or two. Like, we really didn't have very much time. Um, They pretty much, you know, shuttled us around to all the different appointments and then just wanted to know, have you decided, what are you thinking um, and my husband and I, I, f- I feel like we knew, you know, we had a pretty clear idea with the information given to us that we were on the same page, thankfully. There was no real deep discussion around it. Um, when you're presented with information that your baby will never be able to breathe on their own, they will never be able to eat on their own, they will never be able to function, literally do anything on their own, constant seizures. If I was lucky, they would come out of hospital, but even then my house would be set up like a hospital. And we would be back in hospital minimum three to four times a week. And then life expectancy, if this is if you survive the pregnancy and the birth, um, could be maximum one year. So that's the information that we were given. And I mean, there's probably more I can't think of the top of my head, but that was the, yeah. that's pretty dire. That's not that there's hope because if they had have told me yeah. that there was a surgery or, you know, an amazing doctor that had a cure, yeah. I would have paid whatever. I would have sold my house. I would have done everything. Um, but that's not what we were given and that's not what we were told. So given that information, we were pretty clear that we didn't want to do that to our daughter. It wasn't about us. Yeah. It was about her. And we didn't feel that we could put her through that. And you never want your child to suffer. No way. And that to us is just like she would suffer. Everything would be hard. Mm. It would be really hard for her. And I felt, you know, I was like, I can manage appointments. I can do this. I can do that. But it's not about me. It's about her. And I can't no. put her through that. And knowing all of that and knowing that the decision isn't black and white and that everyone's mm. situation is so different and there's so many intricacies and so many things to take into account, I mm. know you mentioned in the book that there's this kind of abortion debate going on in the midst of all this. I can't imagine how that would have felt for strangers to be discussing something that they've never experienced, especially when those strangers are men that they will never experience. Um, making all sorts of assumptions and blanket statements and all those sorts of things when you're going through something that it's it's a it's a loved, very very much wanted baby girl. Hmm. How did that feel? And and how did you stop yourself from getting angry at people? It feels shit, and it still does. I mean, that yeah. debate is continuing, isn't it? Yeah. Like just how many weeks ago now, mm. the Roe vs Wade. Like seeing that is awful and I think it's probably more so I mean most women I know are angry about that yeah and they haven't necessarily experienced what I've experienced but I think when you've experienced it yourself you just feel so angry that 
people are making these decisions with no understanding at all. And I think it's not even about the situation I'm in. I mean, I believe that everybody has the right to choose and do whatever they want to do. But it's just there's so many other factors to it. And I think that something like what we've been through doesn't even come into it for some of these people. That doesn't even seem to be part of the discussion. It's just, I know, some woman decides she doesn't want to continue with the pregnancy. It's like, well, that's not always the case. You know, I would have done anything I could have. the baby could be born alive. Yes. Yeah. And then all, all the, and I just think, it's yeah. too much it, it is, is it's, much. It's, it is too much and you know I think what'd you say how do you not get angry I am angry yeah I think all and you're women, allowed to be angry <laughs> all women are angry aren't we like this is yeah. it's ridiculous <laughs> it is so true and we need to have permission to be angry yeah because the world is is, is an unfair place especially yep. for women well mainly for women yeah and we have a lot to be angry about and I think the world needs to make space for that anger, especially yeah. for people like you who have got even more reason to be angry because that's something that has happened to you and was not it was very far from easy. And I mean, I feel lucky in a way that we're here because, you know, in the communities that I'm a part of, there are women that are living in America right now who are facing these decisions. I can't even fathom how that would feel, um, mm. being told that that's where your baby's at, but this is what we recommend, but you can't. You know, and this is what you have to do. Like, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Because you're their mum and it's your job to make the decision that is best for them. And Absolutely. you've made the decision that is kindest for her that's going to keep her out of pain. And imagine having that decision taken away from you. Like, yeah. I just, and I mean, I know oh. I said that that's what I wanted, <laughs> mm. but I meant that more in jest of, of course. the decision is the worst thing ever to have to make. And everyone would not want to be the person responsible but when it comes down to it you know in a way I am grateful that it was something that I could choose to do yeah um I don't know I say choice I don't really feel like I had that much of a choice but again I know that this is a very controversial uh topic that everyone has opinions on Mm. which again is why people don't talk about it the amount of times in a week people contact me saying thank you for speaking about it because I went through it but even my best friend doesn't know or my parents don't know or my family don't know because they'll judge me um, because people do judge. It's real. And it's bullshit because if Violet, if it was a, a I don't want to say a straightforward miscarriage, but if her, if her heart had just stopped beating one day at 24 weeks, yes. you would have that outpouring of grief and that outpouring, 100%. you were still a mom and all of that stuff. But as soon as it yeah. becomes a bit complicated and then those opinions come into it and there's misunderstandings and people not wanting to ask questions because it's awkward... Mm-hmm. then it becomes this totally different thing. Yeah, it's, you're spot on. It's just, it's so unfair. So you've had, you made the decision, and how long between kind of making the decision and, 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 and birthing Violet? And that was another thing, because I learned this from a friend who had a, a similar situation, and she told me that she, you know, went into labour, at, at maybe kind of the same, and I was like, what do you mean you gave birth? I didn't know that. Yeah. What do you, Huh? I mean, it might be different for other people, but pretty much for me, and I think most people, is once you're a certain gestation, it's you can't like a D and C or something like that isn't an option because the baby is so developed. Um, So I wasn't really given too many options. Like I remember asking, like, do I have a cesarean? Like, what do I do? What happens? Mm. Um, I'm like, no. The the best option is to give birth, especially if you want to have other children. That's the safest thing for you and for your baby. um, Is to be induced and go through labour, which 
you're not alone. I didn't know that that's how it would happen. Mm. I don't know what I thought would happen either because... Right, because when you think about it, you're like, well, obviously, (laughs) we know how babies have to come out. Exactly. And, you know, 23 weeks is... Like it's a, she was born, she was a baby, small, but she's like a little yeah. doll. She's a baby. She all her features were there, everything. She looked mm. like a little gorgeous angel doll, like she was a baby. Um. So yeah, it was a week. So we made the decision, and even that was hard because, like, a week is a long time of having oh a gosh. baby moving around in your belly. You know, knowing that they're your last movements, they're your last moments, they're your last everything together. Mm. So. It was just a lot of appointments in a week, checking everything, lots of paperwork. Um, we actually spent like just in a little bubble together as a family, you know, doing things together, trying to make our last memories together because that's all we had. It seems especially cruel to me and I don't know whether you agree because it, you're the one who experienced it. It seems cruel to me that you have to go to a labour ward to do it and hear and in one way, it's like, well, no, I'm birthing my child, so of course it should be in a labour ward, and she's my girl, and that's my yeah. experience. But at the same time, I think, but you have to hear the babies crying and see mums pushing around a, a breathing child. Where do you stand on that? What was that like? Was part of you grateful that you were having th- that birthing experience, or would you have preferred to be away from all of that? Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, when we arrived there to give birth that day, like we walked in with the other, there were other parents obviously there to be induced that morning and I walked into the labour ward and I could barely breathe. I was hysterical. Mm. And the midwife saw me and she's like, oh, quickly like rushed me past everyone else. Um, Like nobody needs to see, you know, this, what's going on here. <laughs> You're kind of bringing the vibe down. <laughs> yeah, big time. So it was like move on um, away from all these other happy people. And yeah, I, I asked those same questions. You know, we went on down the track to develop a room in the hospital for parents that lose a baby. And the conversation was, well, does it have to be on the labour ward? Can it be elsewhere? What do we do? Um, But it was a public hospital. What else do you do? Where else do midwives go? They can't Mm. meet you elsewhere. They can't do it elsewhere. They don't have the facilities elsewhere. So that's kind of what it was. I think that there may be hospitals that exist where you go to a separate space, but that certainly wasn't my experience. Mm. Um, And, yes, it felt cruel because you don't want to hear other people's babies crying when yours isn't. Um, But, yeah, I guess that's what it was. And I love that you got to spend time with with Violet. Like I didn't yeah. know, again, I didn't know that was a possibility. And um, I just think that's so special that you still got to have that time as a family and have even like the service that someone came and did a photo shoot. Like, you know, in those moments you realise that there are really good people in the world and there are, you know, that things set up so that, you know, it doesn't have to be – well, it is always going to be a horrible experience to say goodbye to your, to your girl, but yeah, I found that really beautiful. Did you always know that you would you would want to have photos taken, or was that one of those situations where you just have to wait until you're in you're in the you know in the moment to know what you're capable of, or was that planned? Um, I didn't know that those services existed. I didn't know any of those things, just like you, until. I knew I was going to be giving birth and then I was researching like you wouldn't believe like mm. what is available, what is there. And Heartfelt are the ones that take the photos and they are just incredible. Um, the organisation was developed based because somebody had lost their child and then they've now just got all these volunteer photographers um, on call pretty much. The hospital calls them and they send someone in to take the most amazing professional photos that you could ever imagine. 
Um, I didn't know you could spend time with your child. I didn't know what a cuddle cot was before I went through all of this. But yeah, tell, tell everyone again. listening about the cuddle cot because that's another thing that I was like. Yeah, so it's a cooling, by. like it's like a cooling device, like a cot, so that your baby can stay with you, so that their body obviously um, remains intact if they're no longer alive, and they can stay with you for as long as uh, you choose. It's a really a parental. Um, choice we have since donated a couple of cuddle cots to the hospital as well as a portable one wow. so that parents as an option it was never an option for us and again people may choose may not choose um but if you wanted to take your baby home with you that is an option you can have and then they can um go from there uh, to the funeral director so it's just again options i think when you're in a position like this your options are limited so having as many as you know possible yeah. makes a big difference another thing i learned is that and i get it a lot of people you know they know you've had these photos taken but they feel awkward asking to see them or mm. they don't want to make you upset because you know you may have forgotten and then they're reminding you that that happened to you <laughs> oh yeah uh, but you said it beautifully that what mum doesn't want to show off photos of her child and, and nothing makes you happier I mean it is awkward you know with my son people I'm they're like oh how is he I'm like oh you want to see a photo and I quickly whip my phone <laughs> out and like they barely the finish their sentence yeah. yeah and I'm like oh this is only the 20 from last night or whatever <laughs> whereas with Violet you know I, I can't just say to someone do you want to see a photo that can be confronting for people yeah. even though I think she is so friggin' adorable you know she literally just looks like a sleeping doll she mm. is perfection but I can't do that because people get uncomfortable. Um, even my close friends and family, I had to sort of say, would you be okay to see a photo? And that was really oh. hard because one person said no. And, you know, I had to respect that. They eventually did see it down the track, but they were just uncomfortable in grief themselves. They didn't really know how it would make them feel. Um, but that's a hard thing to say. Like, imagine, you know, showing, saying to someone, can you see a photo of Buddy? And someone being like, no, thanks. <laughs> or like, I'm not comfortable. I'd punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, well, now you're getting a one-hour slideshow, so buckle in. And I brought a projector, so. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Do, and so Didn't you feel hard. angry? And like, I just feel like everyone should just put their own feelings aside and it should just be about you. Like, didn't you want to just tell people that? Like, actually, no matter how uncomfortable you are, I feel like my life is over. So you can be uncomfortable for five minutes. Like, you should be able to say that. Or you should, you should better bring I me around with you everywhere to, to tell people that. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I will record you saying that and then I will w walk around when they be awkward and I'll go, no, this is what's happening. <laughs> because that's that's the thing is that people do that all the time and it's mm. other people's, it's other people being uncomfortable in loss, grief. The people that can talk about it are the ones that have been through some sort of shit or yeah. that, are, that are open to it or have been around people that have experienced loss. Mm. They're the ones who are okay to have these chats. Yeah. The ones that have lived a life where things have gone relatively well so far True. are the ones who are not great at it. Yeah, because I think, I think, have, being someone that experienced loss, I lost my dad when I was a teenager. I know that nothing I can say can fix it, hmm. and that even, even if someone has the exact same experience as me, I still don't know what to say. So hmm. you just have to, like, that's what I say. I don't know what yeah. to say. This is so shitty and I wish I could take your pain away and I don't know how to fix it, but I'm here. As opposed to, as you said, the very worst thing, which is I'm just going to give you some space and say nothing, which is the worst. A hundred percent. And that's the hardest part about having him now is 
even comments like, oh, it's so nice you're a mum now. Oh, no, or, no, 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 darling. Oh, I must be so happy, you know. And, like, I got put in first mother's groups and things like that and everyone's like, oh, you're first mum or this or that. And I'm like, oh, it's so hard. Um, you know, I made someone really awkward at the first birthday party last week when they said, oh, is he your first? I was like, no. And I didn't elaborate, but then they kept going. Well, how old's your other baby? I was like, oh, she was actually stillborn. But that's okay, you know, we're here, blah, blah, blah. And then I found myself almost trying to make them comfortable yeah, because I made them so awkward mm. at a first birthday party. Yeah. And then that rest of the night, I was like, oh, I, I thought three years down the track I was getting good at this. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just gone and ruined someone's experience at a first birthday party. But <laughs> it's life, what, though. What can you do? So for people listening who have a, a friend, so I have one of my friends had a, had a miscarriage recently and she's since gotten pregnant. And this book was a real reminder to me that that pain would still be very real for her. And I sent her a message, you know, and I apologised. And I, I actually said, you know, now that you're pregnant, I think it was easy for me to stop checking in to see how you're feeling after your loss. How are you? And I'm grateful that, you know, you gave me that, that reminder. But for people listening who have a friend who is experiencing this, will experience it, has experienced it, everyone's experiences are different but what would kind of your 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 advice be or something that you can tell people that can help them know how to approach that situation I think exactly what you just did I think don't forget what they've been through and acknowledge it and keep checking in I don't think it matters how long ago the loss was if it was a miscarriage if they had a stillbirth if I don't know they went through something similar Mm. to what I went through just because it happened a year or two ago it doesn't mean that they're forgotten. It doesn't mean because they're pregnant that things are okay. Pregnancy after loss is really hard. Yeah. Pregnancy in general is hard. Yeah. But pregnancy after loss is really hard and they need support. And people do forget because everyone's lives are busy That's and people true. are moving on with their own lives. But just checking in and being there, I think, is the most important thing. And how was it when it was Arlo's turn? Were you just shitting yourself going in for those scans? Oh, yeah. I And because it was COVID, you know, they say partners aren't allowed to come. But I was on the phone to whoever was in charge every single time a scan was coming up requesting to have my husband there. Mm. Um, And full-blown panic attacks every time. Not okay. You know, we went through IVF. We had our um, embryos tested. We did everything possible Mm. to try and ensure we would have a healthy pregnancy and healthy baby. And still at my 20-week scan, they said that there was some things going on in his brain, which ended up being fine. But, like, can you, you know, just add that to my already seriously anxious um, mind? So, yeah, it it was hard. It was really, really hard. I was – I found out he was a boy straight away because I wanted to connect – either way with the gender, I wanted Mm. to connect with him and who he was. Um, And the whole pregnancy was just – it feels ages ago now. He's almost one. But Mm. it just was – forever it went forever Mm. and then he was here and yeah it was amazing I was in total disbelief obviously um Mm. but it was just yeah amazing and we got to actually recover and be together in the room we made for Violet too so it was the same room (gasps) that we made for her which was pretty special was that like it wasn't planned I just said if it's no one's using it if someone's using it it's 100% theirs like that was why the room was designed but if it's available could we please have it um, and they said yes. So we got the whole beautiful room, you know, with the beautiful seascape and everything. And it was where I had her. So it was just a really nice connection to, um, with both of them. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. It was, it was a real beautiful 
feel that she was there with us. Of course. Yeah. And how are you going to – what are you going to teach Arlo about Violet? And I know that he'll know he's got a big sister. Yeah. But have you got kind of a plan around that or did you and your husband discuss how you were going to tell him? And I mean, he's still little, he doesn't speak yet, but, you know. Well, we've still. got a book. Like there's books and beautiful things that exist about siblings who are no longer here. So that was a resource I didn't know. So we've got a few books oh. about her um, and, you know, that she's watching over him and things like that. Um, and we just talk about her with him, you know, like your big sister beautiful. as it is. Yeah. And I think we'll just say to him, you know, that she – She's always been his big sister. She was just unwell and she didn't get to stay. And that's kind of mm. as simple as I think it needs to be. You know, the book exists when he gets older and he wants to know a bit more. Um, he can yeah. know that. But, yeah, we refer to her all the time. I mean, it's her birthday tomorrow. And so he actually Happy hasn't birthday, had cake. Happy birthday, Violet. Yeah. So he's going to have some cake for the first time tomorrow because I've been a bit of a mean mum and haven't let him have sugar or anything. Oh, neither have I. <laughs> I think Buddy's first cake will be his fifth birthday (laughs) because my my mother feeds it to him without asking me. But that's like, I'm, you know, I've been all homemade food and stuff. But I was like, tomorrow Mm. you're going to get some cake because it's a very special day. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's Big Sister Violet. Just being badass Big Sister. Exactly. I love that. That's so beautiful. (laughs) Well, my love, thank you for this book. Thank you for educating me and opening my eyes and helping me better understand. I mean, I'll never understand, but helping me get a bit closer to know, um, you know, how different experiences can be and really just helping me feel better equipped to be a support to somebody if, you know, a friend is in that situation or if, if I'm ever in that situation, I don't know what the future holds. So thank you so much for sharing Violet's story and, you know, ensuring that her name is always spoken and she's never forgotten. I just think you're amazing and I'm really grateful for you making time to chat today, my love. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and having, you know, holding space for the discussion and talking about Violet because I know that it is a hard topic to talk about and I know that it's not necessarily easy, so I'm really grateful. Thank you. Well, of course, thank you to Megan for sharing Violet's beautiful story. She just had her third birthday. Happy birthday up there, Violet. Um, The show notes, I'll put a link to Megan's book and how you can follow her on Instagram. What a chat. What a woman. What a family. Love you guys. Stay safe and I'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 